Welcome to an episode of Bands and Botanicals, a unique podcast where a trainer and trainee talk about herbal medicine and fitness. We're your hosts. My name is Danielle Kreese, and I'm a certified personal trainer and owner of DC Fit. And we also have Paula Kirsch, who's an artisanal herbalist and owner of Botanically Curious. So let's go ahead and start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bands and Botanicals. Hey. My name is Danielle, and I'm here with Paula. Hey, everybody. And we have a special guest today. Um, it's actually kind of fun. We have him on video, so it's kind of a new thing. But we have Mike Milner with us today. And he is the owner of Peak Optimization Performance. He has a plethora of certifications in the uh, personal training arena and in the fitness arena. But on top of that, he also is a hormone specialist, a mindset specialist, and a certified neurotyping coach. So many of you maybe wondering what a neurotyping coach is and that's kind of some of the stuff we're going to delve into today but before we get there uh we were going to go and pull our botanical card for uh today's episode yeah so we have marshmallow uh, as our herb for the day and the energetic properties of marshmallow are cooling which is like more soothing to the tissue and damp uh, which means that this one in particular has a, a mucilaginous type of quality to it. it means it kind of has, uh, like aloe would have that kind of um, sticky or thick texture to it, after, especially after uh, using it in a tea or soaking it for a while. So the marshmallow plant is a branch stem with soft little fuzzy leaves and they kind of are split into three sections, like a maple leaf would, but obviously they're green. And then uh, you can look at them as like more heart-shaped petals on the actual leaf, uh, flowers themselves. And so those flowers are usually white with a little bit of pink toward the middle or like a mauve color. So they're really great uh, for pollinator gardens. They look beautiful. Um, they bloom in late summer. And so it's really nice to have those in your uh, garden or anywhere that you might be, they do grow in pots. And so uh, talking about marshmallow, the oracle property that we've associated with it is adversity. And that is because it can grow in pretty much any type of soil and lots of climates where other plants have failed. So this is great to protect against uh, acid reflux or ulcers because it does coat the lining of your stomach and your esophagus, which is really nice. Great for your skin because of the anti-inflammatory properties that it offers and the skin irritation aspects where it clears up a lot of that. So I usually do a tea with some marshmallow root, some rose, which is really nice for your skin, and calendula. And then that's a really good overall whole health tea. And with the characteristic of adversity that was associated with marshmallow root, it was really great because I think that it not only actually plays into our guest for the day, Mike Milner, who bridges, you know, mind and body and comes at it with a different perspective. But we've all, as clients, also face it, faced adversity. But in reality, it's a necessity. It's actually kind of built in to how we actually get better and how we make changes and how we grow and evolve. So I think that's a perfect, uh, perfect theme for the episode. Sweet. So we are, uh, that is definitely going to be something that we talk about, but one of your main, I guess, uh, focuses as a trainer is that you do this neurotype training and I'm not going to lie. I, I, I guess I'm only a few years into doing this professionally, but this is the first that I've heard of it. But once I did, it really made sense to me. But for those of, for those out there who have never heard of neurotype training, can you give us a brief breakdown on what that actually means? Yeah, for sure. So I think it's something that will, it is becoming more mainstream. And I think over the next several years, you'll see it gain popularity uh, just because a lot of other coaches are starting to realize the connection between a client's personality type and what type of program is best suited for them. 
Um, and that's really what it is at its core. When we talk about neurotyping, it's just a way of saying your personality type or your brain chemistry, the way that you're wired. Um, and then looking at your personality as a way to give us insight into the training and nutrition and lifestyle uh, protocols that will be best suited for you as an individual. And if you think about the landscape in the fitness industry, you know, there's a million different training programs out there. There's a million different diets out there. And it's like, how do we sift through all the noise and find the right fit? And I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And so using the principles of neurotyping is just a helpful way to understand the way that you're wired and what that means for nutrition and training, um, how to align those things with your personality type. So that's kind of the, the short way of answering it without getting into too many details. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was actually uh, training another client earlier and I was speaking to them about having this podcast and I was, I, I could tell from them that they're not extremely competitive you know they 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 kind of move in a little kind of slower more fluid fashion in their life and I was talking to her about how you know maybe that really high intensity hit training that you know you're or in a class where you're kind of up against a bunch of other people I was, I was like do you think that would resonate with you and she was like absolutely not and we just kind of started talking about how interesting it is and how much sense it makes to, to yeah, take those exactly. factors into consideration yeah, I think one of the things a lot of trainers pick up on intuitively is the fact that different personality types will kind of gravitate towards different training styles. And we never quite put those pieces together until you hear it outlined and then you're like, oh yeah, it makes sense. We, we kind of pick that up from being a trainer and realizing that you can you know, give one style of training to one person and they love it and they're absolutely hooked and then somebody else, they, they want nothing to do with it. Right. Just, you know, all of that has to do with the you know, individual nature of, of humans, but we can, you know, gain insight into what's going to be naturally more appealing based off of personality characteristics. Makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really does. Um, I, you know, you kind of mentioned something in, in the way of, of nutrition and, and I'm sorry, I, I just have so many questions and then I'll allow Paula to ask a question, but it made sense to me in regards to the, um, you know, the type of movement or the type of exercise or the level of intensity in regards to someone's personality. But when it comes to the food and the nutrition that we put into our body, I mean, I understand that everyone needs something a little bit different, but how does your neurochemistry or how do your neurotransmitters play a role in, let's say, your preference for more protein versus more carbs and, and the ability for your body to be at optimal performance with the way that you eat in regards to your personality? Yeah, yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, you know, when we look at different personality types and neurotypes, I break it down into five different types. And mostly it's based off of neurotransmitter balance. And for those that don't know, neurotransmitters are simply, simply chemical messengers that are, uh, you know, controlling all of our functions as humans. Literally no process in the body can happen without neurotransmitters. So I kind of envision it as like little male men and male women going around the body and delivering mail. So it's, it's essentially telling your body what to do. It's responsible for motor coordination, movement, um, you know, fear, emotions, anxiety, uh, motivation, all these different you know, emotional things that we experience as humans, uh, you know, is connected to neurotransmitters and then also things like blood flow and digestion and muscle contractions also include uh, neurotransmitters. So when we look at the foods that we eat, it's literally the building blocks for those chemical messengers. Uh, and, and that applies for hormones as well. Hormones are also chemical messengers. They're closely related. Um, the thing that we have to understand is the food that we eat literally becomes us. It's it's what we're made of. It's you know it kind of you know on even on a cellular level. Mm -hmm. So I look at it as the neurotransmitter balance for each person. If we understand somebody's personality type, it gives us insight into their neurotransmitter balance. So if I have somebody who is let's say dopamine dominance, and dopamine is a neurotransmitter that's kind of that pleasure center. It's responsible for the the reward response in the body. So um, you know when we we do something, when we accomplish something, we get that dopamine hit, and it makes us want to do it again. Uh, it's that pleasure seeking neurotransmitter. Uh, I know that if I can support 
the building blocks of dopamine for somebody who is very sensitive to dopamine that's going to make them feel better so when we talk about you know how do we know whether to focus on higher protein for one person versus higher carbs for another uh, we can look at the makeup of those foods and, and the impact that they have on neurotransmitter balance strictly from a cognitive well-being contentment standpoint so if you know i'm eating higher protein I'm likely going to favor more dopamine because I'm going to be, uh, you know, not to get too scientific here, but the amino acid L-tyrosine is rich in, in protein sources. So if I'm eating mostly high protein, I'm going to favor the transport of L-tyrosine, which is then a precursor to dopamine. Whereas if somebody is deficient in a neurotransmitter like serotonin, um, serotonin is kind of that, that sense of well-being, mm -hmm. contentment, feeling of security, uh, that's what serotonin is responsible for, kind of calms the brain down. Well, if I have somebody that's deficient, I might want to incorporate higher carbs because carbs are going to favor the transport of L-tryptophan, which is then a precursor for serotonin. So it's just little things like that when it comes down to food choices and how it can impact our brain chemistry. Um, ultimately, you know, without getting, you know, sometimes it can sound really complicated and, and almost like overwhelming. I like to simplify things with just food quality because if the foods that we're eating literally become our brain matter and our cellular matter and uh, kind of what we're made of, then let's just focus on mostly high quality foods and then we can get into like the smaller details within each person from there, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. So after working with a client for a while and you're incorporating a lot of these things, Mike, do you ever see a shift in their neurotype? Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, most people will have characteristics of multiple profiles, and that's just human nature. No two people are the same. Um, everyone has one dominant profile. And if we look at personality psychology, what personality psychology teaches us is that we all kind of have this starting point of a personality that's largely genetically determined. But then through life experience and through learned behaviors and through uh, how we were raised and all these different things, our environment, our communities, our friends, our family, um, our, our personality kind of expands and, and we kind of gain these other skills, which, you know, is why there, there's no such thing as a personality that's kind of locked in its way, that it's just stagnant. We're always going to be learning new things and evolving. Mm -hmm. So we can acquire new skills and, and kind of, you know, an example might be an individual who grew up really introverted, but then because of maybe, um, you know, something that they did in when they were younger, like they joined, uh, I don't know, a social club or something that made them present in front of a large group and all of a sudden they put in a lot of reps and became more extroverted, that might show up down the road as oh, this is somebody who's really extroverted, but actually they originally were introverted. So, um, you know, that's all to say that your personality type is never stagnant. You do have a genetic makeup, but what happens is it kind of expands over time. So you will see clients who start to, you know, as they, as they grow, as they change, especially in the pursuit of better health and wellness, um, oftentimes clients will find a version of themselves that they just are in love with and it starts to manifest in different personality traits and they're like you know what i never thought this would be me mm -hmm. uh, and that's just a, a natural process of trying to like seek out growth and and to you know pursue your potent potential and all these things that we want to accomplish so you will see different traits um that's not to take away from the kind of genetic makeup of the dominant profile, but yes, you will absolutely see characteristics from other profiles uh, within each individual. Nice. I like that a lot because it allows people to find out where they kind of fall between and not just set in stone that, you know, a lot, a lot of the time, like neuroplasticity, when you're trying to learn other things and as you get older and you're looking at like cognitive function in your brain, the same thing kind of happens when you're getting into a workout routine, it sounds like, where you might start at one point, but then, you know, through certain diet exercise that really suits you, you could then really embrace a whole new way of doing it. So if someone was to start working with you and training in this kind of aspect, can you just walk us through kind of what that would look like in terms of like how you would test them at first and prepare for that and, and what that kind of looks like? Yeah, for sure. So. 
I, I used to actually do every assessment over the phone and it would be like an hour long conversation and it would be a really in-depth kind of personal deep dive. And as things kind of grew and uh, it, it just became less practical to do things that way. So uh, we have an online assessment that is not quite as as accurate. I mean, it's still, you know, 90 some percent accurate, um, but just because it's really difficult with any kind of assessment, there's going to be some bias involved and somebody might be feeling themselves one day versus not feeling so great the other day. And <laughs> so an answer might be different. If, you know, if I took right. the test today and I'm in a great mood, um, I might answer some questions differently than if I took it tomorrow and I'm in not so good mood. So, mm. um, but for the most part, it's about 90 some percent accurate in uh, determining your dominant personality type, your dominant neurotype. Um, that's the first step. Once I see those results, then when we have an initial conversation, we could kind of see if a it resonates with them, you know, for you know to to really see if does this make sense to you? Is this are these characteristics accurate? Um, if not, then we might look at what was their second highest score because the assessment will break down all of the five profiles and how you scored within each profile. And if there's two that are really close, then we might kind of have a, a short conversation just to see which one uh, resonates more deeply with that individual. Um, ultimately, we kind of are using that as a starting point and just to gain some insight into where we need to go from there. There's a lot of other variables that go into it because we need to see like, uh, you know, diet history, for example, and training history and, uh, you know, kind of personal preferences and their lifestyle and their work schedule and their personal life and all the things that kind of make that individual unique. We want to factor all of those variables into the equation. So that's actually like our second step after we do the personality assessment and we have a pretty good idea of what their dominant profile is, then we kind of go into a habit and lifestyle history assessment from, you know, what has what have they gone through in their in their life to, to bring them to this point? Uh, they've probably tried a number of things in the past. We also have to look at things that they enjoy, things that they didn't enjoy. We have to look at, um, you know, kind of all the variables of their lifestyle, their habits, their mindset, and just get a clear picture of like where they're at currently. And the reason that we do that is because most people, when they start a new program, they start trying to tackle everything all at once mm -hmm. and they end up burning out and kind of starting back at square one. And I'm saying that from personal experience because I did that for about 10 years before I realized it was not going to work. Um, <laughs> so what we try to do is start where they're at and that's you know probably the number one question that i get is where do we start and i always say the same thing we start exactly where you're at so once we know what your starting point is we can make some small changes that are going to yield the greatest return um, rather than throwing eight things at you and, and overwhelming you let's start with one or two things that make a lot of sense for your situation get things moving in the right direction, get you feeling better, having more energy, better, you know, mental clarity, and then we can layer on the next thing from there. So at that point, it's really just a step-by-step -step process of building what I call the strong foundation. Um, I always look at, because, you know, we talked about adversity, right? Adversity is going to happen. There's going to be setbacks along the way. And it's human nature to kind of default back to our kind of foundational point Whenever things get stressful, we always default back to the things that make us comfortable. And that's, you know, habits and, and just whatever we have in our life that makes us comfortable. Whenever there's a lot of stress and a lot of moving parts in our lives, that's human nature because we want to protect ourselves. So if we build a strong foundation of healthy habits, then that default is now a really good spot to be. So it's not we're starting back at square one. We're, we may be starting back at square five, depending on, you know, how much progress we've made over time. Um, so that's really it. It's like building that strong foundation so we have a really solid place when adversity hits that we're not going all the way back to square one. Uh, we may be taking a couple steps back, but – we're feeling good about the uh, the ability to continue forward, which is the key to long-term success. It's being able to deal with that adversity and just pick yourself up and keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I, so much of what you just said, I mean, I know that it resonates as a client, but it also resonates as a message for me. And I know this is kind of steering away from what we're talking about, but not because uh, maybe some trainers are listening to this, but I always, you know, I always say that maybe fitness can be 
can bring people back to remembering who they are. And I think it kind of goes into what you were saying with, yes, we may have this dominant personality type or we may we may have these certain reactions that are pretty standard in our life, but you may also be forgetting the parts of you that are strong enough to get through this, the parts of you that are, you know, um, uh, committed enough, I guess, to make the journey. And, and I, I just love the idea of the fact that, again, the other thing that you said of meeting yourself where you are, that's something that I, I, I'm finding I, myself always saying in classes is meet yourself where you are today. And from that point, that's where we have our platform for growth. It's not, you know, it's not trying to be 12 steps ahead because you saw it on Instagram, which is something Paul and I have talked about, the, <laughs> the lure of just trying everything before you have earned getting to that point. But there's nothing wrong with having your base. It's, there's nothing wrong with having your starting point and knowing that starting point so that you can see how far you've come. So I really appreciate, like I said, the perspective you take as a trainer and kind of um, everything that you bring into it. Because unfortunately, there's still much that's... Uh, you know, a lot of preoccupation with, I guess, the the wrong things that make you healthy, mm. I guess, or, or the wrong types of measurements, which actually brings me into maybe a little bit of a personal question for you, Mike. Um, I have, I've, I've struggled myself with so many um, eating things and self-love and, and uh, body dysmorphia and all of that stuff. Um, and it's only been since I started to kind of become a trainer that I've had some more control. I've learned healthy habits. I've I've started to make that shift, but there are still times where I feel like I overtrain or I over um kind of I over obsess over the thing that I just ate or that shame spiral that happens if you feel like you've slipped up whether you're a trainer or not. How do you combat and I I know that I've seen this on your Instagram, so I know it's something you speak of. How do you combat looking healthy versus actually being healthy and feeling healthy. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a kind of something that needs to be discussed more in our society, in our culture, really, because, you know, there's been this over-glorification of being as lean and shredded as possible, with, which oftentimes gets associated with health, because that's like, we look at somebody on Instagram and we see, you know, shredded abs, or we see a really lean, fit physique, and we're like, that's what I want without realizing that we have no idea what's going on below the surface. And I always use the iceberg analogy to Mm. try to paint that picture, which is we see the tip of the iceberg. We don't see that below the surface, they might be miserable. They might have an eating disorder. They might have, you know, depression. We don't, we don't see everything that's below the surface. And it's hard because human nature is, you know, we we only see the highlight reel from social media. So that's all we interpret. Sometimes it really does like require us to take a step back and think, or, to create a more encouraging environment, which is if you find yourself looking at people who kind of create this mindset inside of you that you are uh, not worthy or not good enough or you need to pursue um, a unhealthy level of fitness, then unfollow. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. beauty is we have we have perfect control. Um, I talk about cre- you know cultivating your environment, not just your physical environment, but also your social environment your virtual environment, like that's all, all the stuff that we consume plays a large role. So, um, that's one thing is, is kind of to just create awareness around those feelings. And if, if you're having a moment, sit with it, you know, it's okay to sit with those feelings for a second and actually try to figure out like, where did that come from? Is there something that I can do to, uh, you know, cut off the source of where that's coming from? It might be from an account that you're following that every time you see them, it triggers you in this, you know, negative spiral and okay, that's great. I'm going to unfollow that account. Um, other times it really is just, you know, like I said, it's adversity, it's human nature. It's something that we're always going to deal with. So whenever I'm having those thoughts, and this is something that I have struggled with for a long time, um, I went through, um, you know, disordered eating. I went through body dysmorphia. Uh, I don't think that the voice ever goes away completely. I think that we just become, um, better equipped at handling that voice when it does come up. And that's really the objective. Uh, most people try to push that thought away or that feeling away. And what they end up doing is just 
bottling it up and it's never they're not actually dealing with it or or kind of fitting with it so there is value in sitting with thoughts and realizing that our thoughts are not based in truth like we always just assume that the thought that we have is like 100% fact uh, mm-hmm. but it's not we have we have you know trillions of thoughts a day and there's like our brains trying to process all of these bits of information on a daily basis and it's a lot of information to to process and sort so it would be uh, illogical to think that every single thought that entered our brain was 100% fact so sometimes what I'll do is literally just sit with it and just observe what does that feeling feel like and then what's helpful is I use the cloud analogy it's like thoughts are kind of like clouds we get to thoughts and feelings right we kind of watch them pass and just like you would be laying you know at the beach on a partly cloudy day and you would see the clouds pass over you while you're laying down like that's kind of what I envision if I'm having a feeling or a thought of I'm not good enough or uh, you know I'm overtraining, I'm trying to do too much and I'm criticizing myself and I'm in this pattern of negativity. Uh, I just kind of observe those feelings and then I think about the clouds like this is going to pass. Let me just watch this feeling pass and, you know, doing some self-reflection on on where that might be coming from is super helpful. But again, through repetition, that's how you get better equipped at dealing with it. So we can interrupt. There's always the action on the back end of that. So we have a thought that produces a feeling that produces a decision that produces an action. And we can interrupt that cycle at any point in time just because we have a thought that doesn't mean that we have to have the same action every single time, which is often what happens. Um, You know, Paul mentioned neuroplasticity. This is exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It's rewiring those patterns in your brain when we've done something so many times it becomes like a default action so we have a thought and we've we've kind of followed the same path so many times that we don't even think about it's just a mindless automatic trigger for this certain action but it doesn't have to be if you are consciously aware you can choose a different you know action and if you consciously choose a different action all of a sudden that that kind of neural uh, pathway will be rewired and you start to give yourself more autonomy when that voice creeps up you can create that awareness I know this voice I've heard this voice before here is the action that I'm gonna take so it, it just comes from from repetition and, and the more that you practice doing it uh, the, the easier it gets I don't I don't think that it ever goes away completely yeah. at least that's you know my experience is that it's always gonna be in the background to some extent you just get Me better too. equipped at- <laughs> yeah for sure. I mean, but it is so important to talk about, especially, you know, I guess if you're on a fitness journey that you may reach a certain size or a certain weight, or you may get those abs that you thought that you would never have, but it doesn't necessarily translate to bam, right? All of my issues are gone. I am now happy, content, and satisfied with exactly who I am. And I always will be, you know, I think, especially with social media, like you were saying, we we show our we like to show our best sides. We like to show our best selves, and I'm very fortunate for your platform. Um, I try to do it myself when I get on there as well. But I think there is becoming more of an honest conversation with people that just because you know you may portray something, or because you work out every day, or because you get your food right, or whatever the case may be, doesn't mean that up here. I'm pointing to my head. <laughs> That, you know, mentally, you're happy. And, and you know, I just, I guess just, I just appreciate that because it's, the two are misconstrued often. You know, being super fit is supposed to be the same as being super happy. Well, and yeah. we, we can really look at health in a way of just say, looking simply at the four pillars of stress level, your nutrition, um, you know, your mental state and then your movement. If you're looking at those four things as your pillars for health and wellness, because we talk about, you know, fitness isn't always wellness. Fitness is a little different. It can be within the same realm, but not necessarily. And just seeing, you know, for me in particular, health for me looks like getting enough sleep, eating the right kinds of foods, you know, making sure I'm moving my body every day. And then, uh, you know, trying to combat stress in whichever way I can and, you know, on that kind of note, Mike, uh, in terms of feeling your healthiest, what kinds of things, just a few words, 
would pop into your head if you're saying, I'm the healthiest I can be if, and then I also, it's kind of a twofold question. What kinds of, if you do, what kinds of natural ways or methods, uh, maybe herbs or anything else do you use in your recovery and training? Because I kind of want to see if there's anything you use for recovery. Yeah, for sure. So I would say that for me, being my healthiest for sure does not mean being my fittest or leanest. And I've I've done both and I was miserable. Um, so, you know, I did a photo shoot last July and, you know, I had to get very lean for my photo shoot. And, you know, there's for me, it was more about the just like pushing myself and the act and the process of going through that. Uh, it wasn't healthy and it was, it's not something that I recommend people do. Um, it was just kind of a personal challenge and it was actually photo shoot was for a, a good cause. So I did you know, there was kind of that initial um, kind of incentive as well. But I, I took a picture of like how lean I was at that point. And I just, for social media purposes, I wanted to portray the fact that I was always cranky. I slept horribly. Um, my girlfriend never wanted to be around me because I was miserable <laughs> all the time. Like it, that's not health. And when I think about like pillars of health relationships, I would say is at the top of the list. So if, you know, depriving myself and trying to get super lean is disrupting one of the most important relationships that I have, then absolutely that's not healthy. So, right. you know, when I think about health for me, it's if my relationships are in a good place, if my mindset is in a good place, if I have, uh, you know, relationship, even talking about relationship food. So, you know, am I fueling myself in, in a way that makes me feel my best and, you know, cognitive function. I always think about, you know, I love to be creative. I love to create different things and educate and do things like this where we share um, stories on a podcast and you know if I am depriving myself um, I would not be able to put coherent thoughts together because you know again that's another thing like we need brain health to be in place um, if we're going to perform our best and so for me that's that's really it it's it's like functioning well having the freedom and flexibility to still enjoy life and you know enjoy the people that I love and and that's really you know it's interesting because when you look at blue zones which have the kind mm -hmm. of concentrated areas of, of people who live the longest right. their diets are very different um one very of the most carbons. common um, <laughs> connections is community and relationships and that's what they prioritize so um it's interesting to look at those pieces as far as my own personal recovery to answer the the second question um i do use some some natural methods um you know i do kind of any supplement that I take, it, it's going to be more on the, the herbal side of things. So things like ashwagandha, right. rhodiola, um, you know, those are those are two kind of staples that I use for um, not just kind of balancing stress, but also managing recovery as well. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, for my overall recovery, I always look at it as like nutrition, sleep, stress management uh there are definitely things that i i utilize like um you know essential oils sometimes uh you know like i said herbals with when i'm if i'm taking a, a supplement which ashwagandha and rhodiola are pretty uh consistent for me mm -hmm. and it's and then movement uh like that's one of the cool things is you know a, a lot of research has been done with different things like cryotherapy and cold immersion all the stuff which shows improvements in recovery but none of them have been shown to be superior than just walking so it's like I, that is a big part of my recovery is just getting outside and going for a walk every day and uh, making movement a priority yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I, that's usually when whenever i have a, a client or i teach a class and i'm anticipating that they're going to be particularly sore i'm just like the best thing you could do is go for a walk. Just go for a walk. Just get some form of movement in. Just warm up those muscles. Break up the lactic acid. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also the misconception is it doesn't always have to be the biggest, most explosive, longest, powerful exercise of your life in order to benefit you mind and body. Mm -hmm. I mean, that walk is not only good for your body, but it's also good for the mind. I mean, to connect to being outside, to be around the trees. If you live by water, I mean, there's... We've talked about, um, you know, the therapies that water, just being around a body of water can have on your stress levels. Right. So it just, it's interesting how it could all go hand in hand, you know, and, and that, that you speak of it so much, the connection between the mind and the body and being mindful of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, and you know, if you are happy and if it's working for you. So 
Yeah, I, I actually was wondering, um, you know, you kind of just mentioned some of the things that help you, I guess, reflect on your success or, or keep yourself in check. But do you ever have a client who, and this kind of is coming back full circle with the neurotypes that we were talking about in the beginning. Do you ever have a client whose neurotype makes them like potentially shy away from, from your coaching, even though they know that maybe they need a personal trainer because they don't have maybe the knowledge for a workout or they don't have, um, you know, people like that accountability. And, and this will be a twofold question too. And do you have some success stories with your clients after that? You know, if, if you had had certain people who are really hesitant and then you saw them kind of like evolve and, and really, um, remember themselves, like you said, remember who they are. Yeah, so I would say because I speak so openly and usually bluntly against traditional diets because, again, it's like we have all the research. We have all the data that we need to prove that traditional methods of dieting don't work. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of anecdotal evidence as well. So it's like we have the studies to back it up and we have thousands and thousands of people uh, who have gone through it and – not been successful so I speak openly about that we need to do something different and I would say that the, the level of skepticism is usually what I deal with with people coming to me because they've tried everything and they've kind of been burned so many times it's like well how is this going to be different even if my messaging resonates and they're like yes you know nobody's really approach things the way that you communicate. However, I've been burned so many times before that I'm still really skeptical. And I, I encourage a healthy level of skepticism um, because of the fact that there are a lot of, uh, unfortunately, poor right. programs out there. Um, that's just the nature of a industry that is really more about you know, making money, unfortunately, than it is about truly helping people, which, mm-hmm. you know, we can get into a whole separate topic about that. But the diet industry succeeds when people fail because they yeah. have to keep spending money on more diet programs. And that's just the nature of this kind of beast that we're up against. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's really the biggest thing, which is, uh, you know, how is this going to be different? There's this healthy level of skepticism. Uh, and so every success story that we have, which is now, you know, in the thousands, comes from that starting point. It's like, I didn't think, you know, I I was, I really couldn't believe that there was something out there that would work for me. Uh, I truly thought that, you know, I had tried everything and, and just that I could not be fit. I could not reach a level of health that I wanted to. And that just, this was my fate. And, you know, I'm so glad that I took this one last crack at it because it changed everything for me. Um, You know, there's other instances where the work that we do can reveal, uh, it it can be a vulnerable position because um, I do ask for people to get kind of, you know, raw and real with themselves. And that level of self-reflection and self-honesty can sometimes be challenging because, you know, oftentimes we see things like self-sabotage and we see things like, cognitive dissonance where people say they want something but their actions don't align with what they're saying Um, and so if I am getting you to like dig to the root of that stuff that can be a scary place to go mentally And, and sometimes people are like you know what I just am not ready for that level of you know, vulnerability and, you know, really like getting honest with myself. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, So it's, you know, really that first step is the hardest. And that's what I always say is that that first step uh, is always the most challenging. And once you take that first step, you know, it's this, this mindset and really why I was able to be successful because I did things wrong for so long, Mm -hmm. but I was never going to stop. I was determined that it didn't matter you know, how wrong I got it. I was always going to use that information to then make a different decision the next time. And, you know, just through learning what not to do, I ended up landing eventually on what to do. So those are kind of like the stories that really uh, matter the most to me. I've, you know, I've had clients who have gone 25, 30 years of, of dieting and, really feeling unworthy and feeling like they don't deserve to be successful, uh, fearing fail failure and just, you know, not wanting to tell anybody that they were trying another program because they've told their friends and family so many times. And it's like, here we go again. You know, those are the stories like the success stories that we've been able to create that, that really 
you know, are, are kind of like the, the why behind everything that I do. It's because, you know, when we talk about decades of self-image issues and body dysmorphia and feeling like you're not enough, and then all of a sudden we can turn that all around and help somebody kind of find the version of themselves that they're so just, you know, beyond excited about. And, you know, really it's like, we talked about happiness. We talked about how there's a difference between like, you know, pursuing this version of health that's in your mind, but actually we think that, you know, I'll be happy when dot, 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 uh, that's a immediate red flag, right? There's, there's right. no destination that equals happiness. It's, it's a state of mind. So th- that's kind of a very stoic philosophy, which is like people spend their whole lives trying to find happiness and they end up being like the most miserable people because it's not something that can be, you know, searched for as far as like 10 pounds from now or $10 million right. from now or whatever the case may be. Anytime we think that it, happiness is, you know, X place away, uh, usually we're going to end up disappointed. So it's, it's really like, where you are right now and and kind of a state of mind. So being able to kind of turn that on its head for a lot of people to show them a different path um, is really a powerful thing. And that's, you know, it it always goes hand in hand, the physical transformation with the mental transformation. So that's kind of, you know, what we've been able to accomplish for a lot of people. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I bet a lot of our listeners are getting excited about hearing about what you're doing. So if we have some listeners or some others that are, only able to contact you virtually, what kinds of programs and things do you have available for them right now? Yeah, so, um, you know, our signature program is, is one-on-one coaching. That is where we kind of do uh, a deep dive on, you know, your personality type, your history. Uh, we come up with a process based off of where you're starting and, and you know, how we feel like, you know, and again, it's a, it's a collaborative effort because everyone's different, but essentially it, it's looking at the most effective way, the most sustainable way and the most enjoyable way to get you from where you are now to where you want to be. Um, focusing mostly on, you know, everybody wants to pursue a level of, of health and wellness, whatever that means for them. Um, but also to not forget about the mindset side of it because they, they have to go hand in hand. Otherwise it won't last. Um, and then we also have like other programs which are more foundational for somebody who's not ready for like a, a one-on-one immersive type program. Uh, we have a workshop which is called Fat Loss Freedom. Um, that's something that's a $27 program. Uh, and it really just teaches sustainability. Like we talked about building that foundation. Um, I call it fat loss freedom because everybody, you know, is in this place where they think, you know, fat loss has to be miserable and it has to be like you're hungry all the time and you have to starve yourself and you have to eliminate, you know, all these different foods and you just can't enjoy your life. And, you know, just trying to change the narrative of, of, you know, like all of those signs are indicators that something's not going to work. But yet that's what we keep jumping into. It's like, well, I just have to (laughs) fight off hunger all the time and I just have to, you know, white knuckle my way through it. Uh, That's a strong indication that it's not going to work and it's not going to last. So that's a program that it's, it's over three hours of video training broken up into like 20 to 30 minute segments um like tutorials how to guides pdf downloads like pretty much everything you need to understand what a strong foundation of quality nutrition looks like yeah i love this because you know a lot of uh articles and things say that you know yeah you can maybe white knuckle your way through weight loss and and get those things and i've even been there losing 100 pounds and then um, you know, gaining that back. And there's almost that five year time frame that happens where maybe you can withstand holding it off for maybe five years. And then all of a sudden the weight starts coming back, you've kind of lost focus. And so even those people who have maybe reached their goals and it's been a while since they reintroduced themselves to why they're doing this, I feel like something like that would be great. Yeah, definitely. It really just provides a different perspective that, you know, we should be looking at this from as cliche as it is to say, a lifestyle approach and, and something that if you can't see yourself doing this for the long haul, then there's no point in doing it for, you know, six weeks or whatever kind of, you know, challenge or 30 day, you know, fix or whatever it may be. Uh, let's look at creating sustainable habits that last a lifetime and build that strong foundation like we talked about earlier. You know, I, I always use the, the um, analogy, it's not really an analogy, but I always paint the picture of you can either 
raise the ceiling or raise the floor. Most people raise the ceiling and that's all they ever focus on. It's like, I'm going to, all of a sudden I'm going to work out seven days a week. I'm going to eliminate, you know, carbs and sugar. I'm going to, you know, do all these things. They try to bite off more than they can chew. Um, why not raise the floor? Like if we focus and, and yes, there are times where we should raise the ceiling. We should pursue, you know, a higher, you know, a better version of what we, what we've been able to accomplish. But Nobody ever focuses on raising the floor, which means that when you fall, your floor is a lot higher than it used to be. So when that mm-hmm. adversity hits, you're at a much better starting point, and that's really what uh, the workshop is intended to accomplish. So that. such important work, I think, and 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 I'll, I'll just reiterate just reiterate it. Just loving the like you keep bringing it up, changing the narrative. I mean, the narrative of fitness and I guess wellness has been so ingrained in us and in such a detrimental way to both men and women and to be able to try to change the narrative to turn it into not just oh do this crash diet for 30 days and then be expected to maintain it for the rest of your life but how can you take the steps to support yourself in success mm-hmm. it you know and, and finding you know I, as cliche we keep kind of sounding corny but as cliche as it is like what you have inside of you because at the end of the day that's gonna be your greatest ally is yourself I mean I I say it sometimes like I could you know as a trainer you could put together a great program you could try your best but if the person's not invested in themselves then it may not translate as well but if the person knows that it's coming from that that long-term goal of of how can I feel good for a long time and, and also giving yourself grace right knowing that that if you do stumble, that it doesn't negate all of the work that you've done. It doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that, you know, and, and from as a mental, as someone who, who struggles with my mental health, sometimes that could be a challenge, you know, that all or nothing or that, oh my God, I got sad again for a week or I obsessed over what my body looked like when I've tried so hard to move away from that. But you have to give yourself that grace. You know, it is it is a forever thing if you're committed and you're going to have your ups and your downs and you're going to have those times where you feel like it's the easiest thing to be as healthy as possible. And then there are times where it's going to be such a struggle. And to be able to talk about it with people and to be able to have the support and like you said, giving people a knowledge. It's like, it's that, um, that saying, if you give a man a fish he eats, eats for, for a day, day but yeah. if you give teach a man a fish, fish then he eats forever kind of the same thing so i i love that and we'll definitely um try to get that word out there for you there's some people i have at the top of my head that i would love to uh introduce that workshop to so thanks for bringing that to us <laughs> yeah i love the community aspect that you bring to this because you also have live facebook chats um you you know on your facebook you're really active with community and that's the biggest piece no matter where you are in your fitness goals or where you're going you know build a community around yourself and i think mike's done a great job of doing that really in a really easy format yeah i appreciate that and really the objective is to reach anybody at any level so we have a ton of free resources like if you like you mentioned the facebook group uh if if somebody joins our facebook group they're going to get you know we do daily intention calls where people can come on you know, even if they're not a client and we really just set the tone for that day. What is one thing you want to accomplish that day? We just have kind of a roundtable discussion about what we're, you know, trying to do. And and then we do uh, every Monday, I do a live Facebook training on different topics. Um, the last one I did was on like intermittent fasting. And then one before that was on how to overcome self-sabotage. So like different mm-hmm. topics I'll teach each week. And then uh, we have some other like free downloads about like just you know nutrition and giving people kind of like the the fundamental resources that they need and then kind of the next level up is like all right well if you want to do one of our workshops or one of our ebooks then somewhere between 27 and 97 dollars so that kind of you know accommodates people who aren't quite ready for a one-on-one type of coaching experience and then obviously the highest level is when you really want you know that coach accountability that support the guidance you know for us to take a look at your personality type your lifestyle your habits your goals and and kind of walk you through and and hold your hand through a path 
that will create that success, but most importantly, to teach you how to be self-reliant because a lot of programs, you know, their objective is dependency, right? They want their clients to need them. Um, and there are a lot of programs out there that are very vocal about that. It's like, yeah, well, when our clients leave, they struggle. So they have to come back to us and they wear that like a badge of honor. I mm-hmm. see that as a, you know, as a negative, I want somebody to graduate from coaching with me and to have the skills that they can be successful forever without needing coaching ever again. So they don't feel the need to buy another program or do another challenge. Like they are set for life because of what they've learned through that coaching process. So that's kind of like how we look at it. We want to have something available for anybody at whatever level they're at. Fantastic. Do you, um, for uh, any trainers who are interested in the neurotype coaching that you do, do you have any uh, educational sources for maybe uh, trainers who want to expand their their knowledge on your on your? Yeah, so um, I actually did my first ever uh, neurotyping certification uh, last September. So there was fifty five coaches that did the certification, and it went really well. The next cohort will be um, early this year so within the next couple of months we'll have the next one that's ready to go and this one will be all virtual Um, I'm hoping to do an in-person certification uh, whenever things are a little bit more uh, travel friendly so but right now, the, the next one will be um, early this year, so in the first quarter of 2021. And right now, the wait list, I think, is like 60 to 70 people uh, who are waiting for that to open. Um, and, and so the, the neurotyping certification is all of my methodology with neurotyping, so understanding you know, neurotransmitters, brain chemistry, personality types, um, how that influences training, nutrition, lifestyle, uh, and, and then going into also client communication. So really, like the you know the best practices for um, communicating with with clients and getting them to where they want to be. So for coaches, oftentimes there, there's you know the certifications out there that really just hammer home the physiology and they leave this like gaping hole of the psychology. And so that's really the gap um, that I've chosen to bridge is like, we need to understand how the brain works. We need to understand how to communicate with people, how human behavior works. And that's what the certification accomplishes. Also for personal trainers, um, you get continuing education credits for NASM, AFAA, um, ACE. So any certification that you have, you would be able to get your CEUs for that. I'm going to be reaching out to you <laughs> after this because like, I'm definitely interested in that. So if anyone just wanted to follow you, where can they find you? Um, you know, what's your handle on Instagram? How could people follow you and, and learn from you? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, the best place to uh, reach out is through Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Instagram is at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And then I'm just Mike Milner on Facebook. I do post a decent amount of content on there and anybody can shoot me a DM on either platform. Um, And then our Facebook community is, is a great place to hang out as well. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. That was informative and inspiring and I think gave us a lot of food for thought. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, we appreciate you and I hope you have a a wonderful day. (laughs) And just as a reminder, any ideas or topics discussed during this podcast should not be a replacement for any type of medical advice. Although Danielle is a certified trainer and I have a knowledge of herbal medicine, any decision to incorporate an exercise or herbal remedy is always your own.